0: Can-Can, baby. Next Wednesday night, right after, uh, right after our time in here, how many of you know what Kajabi Can-Can is? Let me see your hand. Your gross, bruised, callous, bloody hand. How many of you have never played Kajabi Can-Can before in your life, have no clue what that means, think it's some kind of Chinese word, um, you need to show up next wednesday night i promise you i pro- like i'm not even playing it is the most unbelievable game you've ever played in your life and you need to be here um, we're doing a guys tournament we're doing a girls tournament um, because girls get incredibly violent in Kajabi and would kill you guys. Um, and then at the end, we're actually doing a, uh, a small group leaders tournament, adults. So you get to watch your small group leaders kind of go at it in Kajabi. It's unbelievable. So that's going to be next week. Be here. We kind of begin our, uh, our summer <laughs> schedule. Um, kind of, huh? Oh, wait, wait, Are you, is this what you're saying? Yeah. Do this? Yeah, hold on just a second. Let me see. This is idiot proof. Oh, thank you. Hey, that's weird. That's what that handles for. Thank you. Oh, wow. Thanks, Bo. Hey. Oh, you got new friends. Um, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray real quick, and we're gonna we're gonna tackle this. We've been in this series uh, going through the book of James, the New Testament book of James. We've called this series uh, creatively enough, yeah, because we're high on creativity here at the point. And uh, it's cool because tonight we're in uh, James chapter three. We're talking about, we're basically looking at what God has to say to potty mouths, which I'm sure none of us uh, struggle with at all, because this is the point for crying out loud, and we have cool hair and Bible. So, um, what we're going to get into this, let me pray, let me pray and let's do this. Y'all ready to go? Y'all ready to go? Come on, baby. All right, let's do this. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus, I do want to pause right now and confess my, my deep and desperate need for you to show up tonight, Lord. Would you speak? Would these be your words? Lord, you have spoken to us through your word, through your word, the scriptures. And so I pray that tonight, Lord, I pray that tonight you would speak to us clearer than you really ever have before. But I know this is an issue that we, we need to hear from you on. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you right now. And we come expecting you to say something huge to us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now now here's what's up, let me start off by saying this, uh, no one has to convince me that what we're talking about tonight is a huge, massive problem, and here's why, because this is something, I'm just going to be honest with you, this issue that we're talking about tonight is an issue that I personally have struggled with ever since I was even a little kid, okay, so let me explain to you what I mean by that. Um, when, I was, when I was a kid, I was just like every other little kid. And here's what I mean. Um, I was cute on the outside, but I was an evil, demonic, wicked child lurking on the inside. Okay? And some of you are thinking, wow, Anson, that's real harsh to speak of children like that. And I'm just telling you, like, you'll learn one day. One day you will, you will wise up and you will realize that children are cute, but do not turn your back on them. Because they will break your valuables and set your pets on fire. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so you need to be, you need to be sure that every kid, as cute as they are, they need Jesus just like anybody else, okay? Because they are evil, wicked sinners. And so here's how this was played out in my life, okay? And maybe some of you will relate to this. Um, one of the ways that this played itself out in my life when I was a kid is that I was, uh, I had this habit of using my mouth as a weapon, and I don't just mean like biting or spitting at people. Like I mean, I mean literally like, like coming up with things to say and words that would cause harm to people. For example, um, when, I was a little, when I was a kid, probably about 10 years old, um, there, there, were, there, were, there were two boys that lived in my neighborhood. that were brothers. One was named Sam and one was named Billy. Okay, now here's the thing about Sam and Billy. Lived in my neighborhood. Um, nobody, none of us kids liked Sam or Billy. We didn't like them. Um, and there wasn't here's what you got to understand like there wasn't a particular reason we didn't like them Like they didn't do anything to us We just kind of decided that we for some random arbitrary reason we just decided we, we don't like them They're not as good as we are. We don't like them. We don't want to hang out with them We don't want to we don't, don't want to be bothered with sam and billy. Okay, you with me so far So so here's what would happen Um, how many of y'all played kickball when you were a little kid you play kickball? Yeah, Love kickball. Kickball's a great game because the most unathletic dude in the world can play kickball and look good. So I, we played kickball like every, we, every weekend. Here's what we would do. All the kids on the block, we'd all get together at the end of the road, and we'd, we'd play a bunch of games of kickball. Well, here's what happened. Every weekend, every single weekend, Sam and Billy would make their way up the street to play kickball with us. But we would never, ever, ever let them play kickball with us, okay? So we'd always, like, when we'd pick teams, we'd always avoid them. And they'd all be standing over here. And we'd say, okay, our teams are done. Okay, you guys can sit over there and be cheerleaders, right? And so we would, we would always avoid these guys. And finally, they did this all the time. They, they were constantly showing up. So we were getting really angry that they even showed up. And so we got mad. And so we, uh, we, we, we started talking about what can we do to get them to stop showing up to play kickball? And so it was at that moment, it was sometime around then when I decided that I was going to use my mouth to be an instrument from like basically the depths of hell. I mean, I was going to be a satanic tool to destroy them. And so I decided I need to say something. This is my thought process as a kid. This is, I'm going to say something really, really mean to them so that they don't want to come back. And so I went home that night and I made up a rhyme. About Sam and Billy. True story. I made up a rhyme about them. And here's how it went. Here's how it went. Fishlip Sam and Muskrat Billy. Your mama is a man and don't know diddly. And I, listen. I don't know why you're clapping. That's evil, wicked. And I, I made that up. And then here's what I did. I went and taught it to all my friends. I taught it to my sister. I oh, taught it to my little sister. Um, and then the next weekend when Sam and Billy showed up. We, we already decided what we were going to do. We are going to count three, and on three, we were going to chant this over and over and over and over again at Sam and Billy. So they showed up, and it was one, two, three. Fish, lips, Sam and muskrat, Billy. Your mommy is a man and don't know diddly. Fish, lips, Sam and muskrat, Billy. And this went on and on and on and on until, until Billy started to cry and Sam grabbed his hand, and they ran home, and they never came back again. Now, now listen. Um, yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, Anson, you're an evil, wicked sociopath who's probably going to hell. Um, and, and here's what I would tell you. Here, here's why I tell you that story. Listen, but, and I'm being absolutely serious about this. Um, I, always, I always laugh. I kind of I giggle whenever somebody tells me, hey, dude, I don't think I need Jesus because I think I'm a pretty good person. Because my thought is always, you obviously have forgotten your childhood. Because every single one of us were sick, weird, twisted, wicked demons, at least when we were kids. Like we had that come out in some way, shape, or form. And I know I did. And like I said, the way that I did is that, listen, over and over and over again, in my life, with my mouth, I have said horrible things. I've done wicked, wicked things. I have hurt people with the things that I have said to them. And here's here's the deal, it's interesting, every single one of us are like that. I mean, let's be honest. Every single one of us, there have been moments in our lives where we have said things that that, that were just evil. And we've said things that were just sinful. Matter of fact, here's the thing, if you're honest, some of you in the past 24 hours have. Some of you in the past 24 hours were riding with your mom in the car, right, and you wanted a biscuit from McDonald's, and she decided to go to Burger King, and you were like, what? right? I mean, it was just, it just came out. And you, listen, and you sinned, and you were evil. And here's the point. Here, here's what I want you to get, though. Listen, here's what you need to get. Listen, Here, here's kind of the point for tonight. Here's where we're going. Um, what's interesting about that is that we, we say these things... And we go places like that with the things that we say, but at the same time, we, 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 just, we, we just sang songs to Jesus. We, we just sang these things to Jesus. And what's sad is that many of us, we make gossip a habit, and we make insults a habit, and we make obscenities a habit, and we don't even feel bad about them, and yet we, 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 we praise Jesus with our mouths and so here's the problem this was the same issue these people right here were dealing with this is the same problem they had and so in James chapter 3 James starts to write about this and James starts to address this problem with these people y'all with me so far you good so in James chapter 3 we're starting in verse 1 if you you don't have a Bible, we put the scripture on the back of your, uh, your green bulletin that you got on the way into this room tonight. Um, even though we encourage you, we highly encourage you, you need to bring your Bibles on Wednesday so you can know where to find this stuff in, in God's Word. And if you don't own a Bible, we'll hook you up with a Bible. Just tell your small group leader, tell me before the night's up, we will hook you up. So James chapter 3, that's where we are. Let's look at this, what James has to say to these people. Now, now check this out, very important. James chapter 3, starting in verse one Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Anybody ready? All right, here we go. Here we go. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Very important word. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now stop right there. Because James, to start things out in this chapter, in this little thought, he does something very interesting. He starts to talk about guys like me. And what I mean by that is, when he says not many of you should presume to be teachers, when he uses the word teachers, that word doesn't mean like math teachers or physics teachers. That Greek word literally means a a, a man who preaches, a man who teaches the Bible. That's the kind of teacher that he's talking about here, okay? So follow this thought because here's here's what he's explaining right here. Here's kind of his point. Um, As a preacher... I have what we would call spiritual influence over you. Here's what I mean. Every single week, a lot of you come here every week, and here's what happens. Every week you show up here, and you sit in these chairs, and you listen to me expecting me to tell you what God has communicated to us Through his word, like that's what you expect of me, right? I mean, you come in here, I have spiritual influence over you, which means this. Here's what he says here. Here's what that means. Um, That means that at the end of my life, like when I'm I'm dead and when I face God, I'm going to be judged, I'm going to have to give an account for what I taught you. Does that make sense? So in other words, here's the deal. Like, I'm going to have to stand before God, and God's going God's God's to make me right there, give an account for the things that i taught you. Translation, I'm going to have a stricter judgment. In other words, um, I'll just be honest with you. This is a very sobering thought for me. And for anybody that preaches, for anybody that teaches the Bible... This should be incredibly sobering to us because here's basically what it means, guys. And let's kind of refine this. Here's basically what it means is, is I have two as a preacher, as a teacher of the Bible, as a guy who has spiritual influence over you. I have two primary responsibilities to you. Okay? First one is this. Responsibility number one is, is that I have to make sure I have to do everything I possibly can to make sure that when I come in here each week that I am telling you the truth. Okay, let me, let me explain that. That does not mean I'm telling you what's popular. That does not mean you like what I say, necessarily. That does not mean that everybody in here leaves going, man, my heart was just blessed and inspired. No. It means that I tell you the truth. Some of you may like and get fired up. Some of you may hate me and want to send me nasty emails. But i got to tell you the truth. I got, my primary responsibility, number one, is to be sure that every time I come in here, I am telling you the truth that God has proclaimed through his word. That's a responsibility of mine. I will be judged. I'll be held to account by God as to whether or not I did that. Does that make sense? So, so here's what that means. That means that, um, i kind of you know, explain to you what, what this looks like. Uh, that, that, that means that, I'll be honest with you, if I wanted to just teach you what was popular, I would never tell you to open this. Ever. Because it says some really unpopular stuff. Right? But what my responsibility is, 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 that, um, is that every week, there are hours that go into preparing what's going to be shared with you on Wednesday. Like there's hours of reading, there's hours of of, of reading theology and praying and going, God, help me understand this. And there's hours of me scratching my head going, I'm an idiot, I don't even know what this means, and reading commentaries and reference books so that every week I can stand in front of you guys and I can tell you the truth, okay? If I'm going to be held to to account for this, I can't just go to like sermons.com and download some outline and come up with a funny booger joke, okay? I have to be absolutely sure that I come at you with the truth. Because it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, that one of the commandments God has given me as a preacher of the Bible is that I correctly handle what God calls the word, uh, the word of truth. Second responsibility, listen, we're going somewhere with this. Second primary responsibility that I have is this. I have to constantly make sure as a teacher of the Bible that my life doesn't contradict what I'm preaching to you and teaching you. Does that make sense? So I have to, in other words, I, I have to make sure... That, that how I'm living doesn't come into conflict with the things I'm saying. That does not mean that I'm perfect. Last time I checked, the name of my license, driver's license, was not Jesus of Nazareth. You know what I'm saying? Like it was Anson McMahon. And so every single day I stumble and every single day I fall. What it does mean is this, that I have to be a man who, because I sin every single day, I have to be a man who daily is repenting of sin, who is immersing myself in the Bible, and daily is pursuing Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, because again, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible tells me this, that I have to watch, I'm commanded by God as a teacher of the Bible to watch my life and my doctrine closely. That means this, to watch the things that I teach closely and to watch my life very, very, very closely. Now, now here's what this means. Because I'm going to be um, held to account for whether or not I told you the truth... And because I'm going to be held to account in the end when I die before God, I'm going to be held to account. I'm going to have to give an account for, for whether or not my, my life contradicted what I taught. Because of that, let, let me just kind of tell you a secret. Um, and and you've got to understand, when I say what I'm about to say, in no way am I trying to cast judgment on other youth ministries. Okay? I'm not trying to cast judgment on other student pastors. I just have to tell you how this scripture right here for me has messed me up in a good way but convicted me and shaped me. Um, th- there have been moments where, where there, there have been people in this ministry, students in this ministry, who, who have asked me questions like, and not only that, um, throughout, I've been in student ministry for 10 years now, and throughout that 10 years, I've had different students ask me a question, something like this. It, it kind of goes, Anson, hey, Anson, question, man. How come we don't do more games on Wednesday night? Man, I went to this other church, and they did a game, and it was awesome, man. It was like shaving cream and Cheeto balls, right? And what they did is they, they got the dude. They got two teams, and a couple of the guys, they smeared shaving cream all over their face. And then another dude got the Cheeto balls, and he threw little Cheeto balls at, at the face. And whoever had the most Cheeto balls, like stuck the shaving cream. They won. It was awesome. When need to do that. We don't do that? Okay. I'm going to tell you Why? Here's why we don't do that. Because as a teacher slash preacher of the Bible, in the end, when I die, I will stand before God. And God will ask me a question, probably something like this. Anson, what what, what did you teach my children? What did you teach them? And I don't want to have to look at God in response and say... Lord Jesus, I taught your children how to throw Cheeto balls. And I taught them how to stuff gummy worms up their nose. And I taught them trivia from the office. And they know who Dwight Schrute is. Isn't that awesome? And you know what else, God? Not only that, we did a get it was a race to see who could drink a gallon of milk first without throwing up. It's awesome. Thank you for calling me into ministry, Jesus. It's so fun. I don't want to have to say that to God. I want to be able to look at God in, in response and go, God, I, God, I gave him your word. I gave him the gospel. And every single time I preached to them, I preach with the passion and intensity of like a backyard again on Red Bull. Okay? So, like, that's, so, Lord, humbly in worship, I gave, this is what I gave them. You see it? And why? You say, why, man? Why, Anson? Uh, Do you not like fun? No, I love fun. Matter of fact, next week after we preach, we're going to take you guys out there and bloody you up. It's going to be fun. I I love fun. But what's primary, listen, what's primary and what's central and what I as a preacher will be judged upon and held accountable for is whether or not I gave you this. Does that make sense? Here's why this is important. Because the Apostle Paul begins this whole talk on how we can use our mouths, our words, for very destructive things. He begins it by warning preachers. And then he goes on to say this. Look at, look at, uh, look at verse 2. It's very important. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, James chapter, uh, James chapter 3, he says this. We all, hey, underline that if you have a pen, by the way. We all. It's very important. We all stumble in many ways if anyone is never at fault in what he says he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check um, hey translation ain't nobody perfect here translation I don't care who you are every single one of us have said something stupid before I don't care who you are every single one of us at some point have sinned in what we've said and we've used our words for destructive stuff right this is what it means um, not only that, think about it. We we even say wicked, messed up, sinful stuff to the people we love the most, don't we? I mean, if we're honest. I mean, the people we, people that are closest to us. When I was in sixth grade, I was living in Macon, Georgia. And I'll never forget hearing that New Kids on the Block was coming to the Macon Coliseum. Uh, y'all don't know who New Kids on the Block is, probably. Your leaders do. Your leaders know who New Kids on the Block were. I, I was. I, sad to say today, I was a fan of New Kids on the Block back there in the day, in the sixth grade. And New Kids on the Block was coming, and I wanted to go see New Kids on the Block. Basically, New Kids on the Block was the very first boy band, um, also known as uh, the, the, the beginning of the, the, uh, the decline of Western civilization, basically. It was like a very, very sad day in history. Um, but New Kids, on a matter of fact, May 28th, they're coming to Lakewood. I'm going. I'm just kidding. Um, if I was, you need to shoot me. Um, but, but New Kids on the Block was coming to Megan Coliseum, and I wanted to go. I wanted to go, but problem, we were poor. So I knew we'd never be able to afford New Kids on the Block tickets. And so here's, here was my idea. Here's the idea I got. I want to go to New Kids on the Block. We'll never be able to afford New Kids on the Block, so here's what I'll do. Because I heard about this uh, happening before on the news. Uh, I decided that I was going to write a letter to the band... Can I just say, I'm not proud of what I'm about to tell you. I decided that I was going to write a letter to the band telling them that I had a, uh, a life-threatening illness that was very rare. I tell you, I'm not proud. And my dying wish was to see New Kids on the Block in concert. And so I wrote the letter. I'm sorry, I'm sick. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. because That's the only way to ever be saved. It wouldn't be by good works. Um, I, so I wrote the letter. I sent it to the band. And I was highly disappointed when I didn't hear anything back. Very disappointed. Never heard anything back. So um, I I decided last ditch effort, I would go to my mom and just beg and plead with her to buy me new kids on the block tickets. So I begged my mom, please mama, buy me new kids on the block tickets. And she told me again and again and again and again. We can't afford it. Anson, we cannot afford it. And so she told me, finally after bugging her about the 10th time asking her, she said, Anson, I just told you, we can't afford it. And I remember for the first time in my life, turning around and looking at my mom and saying, I hate you. Okay, let's think about this. I just said the most horrible thing I could possibly say to my mom for an unbelievably ridiculous reason. New kids on the block. I mean, here's what's insane about this. Like, today, I want to thank her for not buying me new kids on the block tickets. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to say, Mama, thank you so much. Because one event can change the whole trajectory of your life. I mean, I, I'm scared to think about what might have happened to me and where I might be today if I'd have gone to that concert. It is scary. I might be preaching to you in a dress right now. right? I mean, it is frightening to think what might Have happened, And so, like, I want to thank her. But here's the point. I sinned for a stupid reason. I said something horrible and wicked to somebody who was closest to me. And and we all do that. And so, James's point here is none of us are immune to this. Every single one of us at some point have said horrible things to people. And because of that, we've sinned against God. And then look at what it says in verse 3. Look at this. Very important. Verse 3. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. let we'll stay with this train of thought. It's brilliant. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, when they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and it and it is itself set on fire by hell. That's a pretty strong statement. I mean, dude just said, here's a problem with the tongue. It gets out of control and it's like you're speaking words from hell, it's set on fire by hell, like it's wicked messed up, now, now I want you to follow this train of thought, because it's pretty amazing what, what James is saying here, in other words, here's kind of the bottom line of what he's saying, and then we'll kind of go back and, and, and cover it in detail, the bottom line of what he's saying is this, students, the words that come out of your mouth are unbelievably important to God, that's the bottom line, because I know like in our culture, and, and kind of how we live and where we live in our world, it seems like it's not a big deal, right, I mean, it seems like what's the big deal to just words, just kind of na- vowels, put the consonants, you know, what's the big deal? But what, we're, what we see is that the words that come out of our mouths are, are a very big deal to God. And then here's why. Listen to the train of thought because when you get this train of thought, it's, it's powerful. James just gave us two examples. He gave us an example of a horse and he gave us an example of a ship. And here's what those two examples have in common, both of them. Both of those examples have this in common, that there's something very, very small that determines whether or not that object is useful. So, so follow me here. Um, the horse, if you don't put one of, those, one of those things in its mouth, the bit in its mouth it, that's attached to the reins, guess what? You cannot control the horse. So you can like, ride the horse all you want to, but the horse ain't going to want to go where you're going, the horse is gonna like go up a hill and eat some grass. you to be like, "Go, go, horse!" And you to be like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, right." I mean, he's—you're not going to be able to control the horse. That's the point. So it's something very small that determines whether or not the horse is useful. You see it? Same thing with the ship. Here's the point. He says, "Here's the deal: you got a ship." There's something very, very small that determines whether or not that ship is useful. It's the rudder. And that little rudder, even though it's small, when you steer it, it determines the course of that ship. Like, if you don't have a rudder on the ship, dude, your boat is just going to kind of float there in the Pacific forever. And one day end up on an island, you can be working for Dharma Initiative. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's not going to go where you want it to go. So in both examples, listen, in both of the examples, there's something, there's an object... That is useless without something very small controlling it. Here's the point that James is making. Listen, listen, this is very important. Um, Students, look at me. How you use your words, like the words that come out of your mouth, what words you use go a very, very long way in determining whether or not you're going to be useful to God. Now, I just want you to think about that for a second. This is where James is going here. The words that you speak every day of your life, the words that you speak to your friends, the words that you speak about people to other people, those words go a very long way in determining whether or not you're going to be useful to God. Here's how this works. I'm going to break it down for you. Here's how this works. Um, If you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, but like all you do is gossip about other people, your claim becomes powerless because everybody around you knows that you're just a gossip. So there's no power in your claim to be a Christian. Because they look at you and go, you're no different than me. Or like, you're, you even talk worse than me. Or here's another example. If you claim to be a Christian, but all you do is criticize other people for like really lame, stupid reasons. Your claims begin to become powerless. Because people look at you and understand all you are is a critic. And they see you're a critic more than you are a Christian. Or, or if you claim to be a Christian, but all you do is insult other people constantly, you're around other people, you just insult them and you degrade them, your claim begins to become powerless because people know that all you are is a jerk. If you claim to be a Christian, but all you do when you're around other people is, is you just cuss like that's all, you, like constant, like here's the deal. Your claim begins to become power. There's no power in your claim because people are around you and, and all they know about you is you're a potty mouth with a very, very narrow vocabulary. If you claim to be a Christian but all you do is tell obscene jokes, people begin to see that your claim is powerless and empty and hollow because all you really are is crude. You claim to be a Christian but all you do is brag... Your claim becomes powerless because people know all you are is stuck on yourself. You see it? So, so here's what you need to understand. Here's James's point. The words that you use. We live in a culture that tells us lies and says, man, your words aren't really, they, they don't really mean a whole. They're just words. No, no, no. Your words go a very long way. The things you say go a very long way in determining how useful you will be to God. Now listen, when we begin, when we begin to use our words to harm people. Here's what happens. We we start becoming useless to God. That doesn't mean God doesn't love you. That doesn't mean you're not loved and treasured by God. It simply means God can't use you a whole lot. Because your mouth is getting in the way. And so here's what you need to understand. We see... James is, James is harping on this and going, this is a huge problem. Now, let me tell you what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean, students, that you walk around talking like you're a walking King James Bible all the time. That's not what I'm saying. Blessed art thou. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Jehoshaphat. Um, no, you can talk like a human. But here's what it means. You use wisdom. Students, listen, hang with me. This is very important. You use wisdom and all only that, you are constant. Listen, in the things that you say, in the words that you speak, you are constantly understanding and acknowledging the fact that you need Jesus to help you with the things that you say. Now, here's why I say that. James just harped on this deal and he said, Hey, what you say is evil, what you say is wicked, and it's, making, it's starting to make you useless to God. But then here's what he says is awesome. Look at verse 7. Here's what he says. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Here's what tricks me out. Can I tell you what tricks me out? How many of y'all been in the circus? Here's what trits me out about the circus. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. We, human beings, when I say we, I mean human beings, uh, we have... The I guess the knowledge and, and I guess the power to to train a meat eating lion to like roll over on command. You go to the circus, like you see this. Trust me out. We have the power to train a like carnivorous bear to stand on its head and squeak a bike horn while like rolling a ball on its feet. But we can't train the tongue. And that's what James is saying. James is going, hey, what you say is evil and wicked and your mouth is out of control. But guess what? There's nothing you can do about it because man can't tame the tongue. Which makes us go, then how in the world do we get better? How in the world do I get better? And and here's what James is trying to get across to us, student. This is huge. Here's what James is trying to get across to us. You can't. Only Christ can. You can't. You can't tame your tongue. You're powerless in doing it. And so every single day, we, those of us who claim to be Christians, need to be constantly acknowledging that we can't do it on our own and we need the help of Jesus when it comes to the things that we say. Do You see it? Because here's the the truth, students. Y'all know it as well as I do. As much as you think, as much as you think that you have your mouth under control by your own willpower, the truth is this, you're only one bloody breakup away from saying the wrong thing. Right? Or in today's vernacular, from blogging the wrong thing. Right? You're, on, you're only one slow car in the fast lane away from saying something horrible. Right? Right? In my case, I'm only one Jonas Brothers song on the radio away from just, Right? I mean, I'm playing. No, no. Um, here's the point. Here's the point, students. Um, we have to constantly be reliant on the Lord for, for the things to come out of our mouth. And then, and then here's what it says. Look, look, at, look at what this says. Verse 9. Look at verse 9. This trips me out. This is why I love the Bible. The Bible's so funny. James is awesome. Um, he's like a comedian. Um, verse 9. He says this. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in gods like this. So, so it's like James is going, um, we're idiots. Well, let's just go ahead and acknowledge... We're idiots because follow this train of thought. Here's what we do we praise God, whether it's songs that we sing, whether it's things that we say in places like this, our smokers. We praise God, but then we look at people and we curse people, but the people that we curse were made by the God that we praise. Right? You get it? So follow it again for those you who are slow. We praise God. But we curse people, we gossip, we slander, we insult, but those people that we gossip about, we slander, we insult, were created in the image and by the God that we praise. Do you get this? Come on. I mean, I mean like even a high school musical fan could follow this stupid train of thought. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just dumb. It's just dumb. And James is trying to go, get how ridiculous this is. This makes no sense. And then he goes on. Look at what he says in verse verse, uh, 10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Now, for those of you who go, what does it say in the Bible? I can't say cuss words. Here it is, Skippy. (laughs) Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Watch what you're saying. So for many of us, we... We just lost control of our mouths, man. We just lost control. And here's the thing. What's the big deal? You go, well, what's the big deal? But I know, I know. Hey, the word isn't. Understand, the word isn't the big deal. I, I get that. Like the word is just, the word. It's my mouth moving making making Right? I get that. I'm not an idiot. Sometimes I am, but not, I'm this. So it's, the word isn't the big deal. Here's the big deal. You've lost control of your mouth, and it's making you ineffective, Christ. You've lost control of your mouth, and it's making you very, very useless when it comes to being an example for Jesus and influencing people for Jesus, because your mouth is getting in the way. And then finish this thought. Look at what he says. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring Produce fresh water. Um, Let let me end by saying this. Here's the point, and I'm going to read it like I wrote it down because I don't want to miss it. Because I I had to write this down to make sure that you got it. Here's the ending point. Here's where it all comes together. Right here. here. Here's the point. When we listen, students. When we use our mouths. When we use our mouths. And when I say we, I'm talking Christians. If listen. If you don't know Christ in here, if you've never come to a place where you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior, where you've acknowledged the fact that you're not your own Savior, you're not good enough for God on your own, but you desperately need a Savior, and His name is Jesus, and He lived the perfect life for you, and He was betrayed, and He died on the cross, and He rose again, and only through Him can you be right with God, not because of behavior, and not because of anything that you do, but only through Jesus can you be right with God. If you've never come to a place where you've acknowledged that and surrendered to Jesus, I'm not talking to you right now. Because you know what? You're supposed to talk crazy because you don't know Jesus. You never had your life changed. Never, never had your heart changed by Christ and the power of Christ. But if you claim to know Christ, when you use your mouth to sing to Jesus and to pray to Jesus and to claim to be a follower of Jesus, and yet at the same time, you use your mouth to be offensive and obscene, and to gossip, and to insult others, and to brag about yourself. Listen, you have at that point become a walking and talking contradiction. This is why James says, whoa, whoa, whoa. "Can fresh water and spring water, like fresh water and salt water, can they like coexist? Right? Can a fig tree grow on a grapevine? Like isn't there something? It's it's a contradiction." You see it? Like oil and water, it, it doesn't mix. And so the point here is this some of us in here are walking contradictions. And we're literally speaking out of both sides of our mouth. And so here's what here's what the Lord would have you do tonight. You go, man, I feel bad. I feel if you know Christ and right now you feel like this sense that, dang, man, he's been, he's, he's like put like. a a listening device in my car um no i really haven't that'd be cool but i haven't here here's what that is here's what that means if that's you and that's what you feel like right now let let me tell you what that is that's what the bible calls the holy spirit bringing conviction to your life and you know what here's why god does that here's why god does that it's a beautiful thing god doesn't do that to make you feel shameful and make you feel like you're guilty and to run further away from him ever Go all the way back to the beginning of the book of Genesis and you'll see that's true. God doesn't convict us of our sin and make us feel, Ugh, gross about our sin so that we'll run from him. He always does it so we'll run back to him. Always. For forgiveness and to be restored. And some of you tonight, you know what? This is you and you know what the Lord would have you do? Run back to him and let him redeem your mouth. Because here, here's my suspicion. There's some of you and maybe you don't even realize this, but God wants to use you in a huge, unbelievable way, but your mouth is getting in the way right now. And so maybe your prayer just needs to be as simple as this. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, would, you, would you redeem my mouth? Would you forgive me for the messed up stuff that I've been saying, and, and would you help me? And you know what? When I, when I say wicked, when I say messed up stuff, would you, would you convict me so bad that it makes me nauseated and I throw up on people? I mean, like, would you just mess me up? When I cross the line, just mess me up. And you go, that's a weird prayer. Just I dare you. Some of you, that's, that's the greatest thing you could ask God to do tonight. It's when you cross that line, mess you up. Because God wants to use you in a huge way, but your mouth is getting in the way. Let's pray. We're going to go to our small groups. We're going to talk about this stuff. Let me say two things before we pray. If you're a junior, stay in here. Don't go anywhere. You stay right here. Let everybody else leave as soon as I say amen. And if you're a brand new student, this is your first time, we're going to buy you a Starbucks. And so you, when I say amen to this prayer, need to go directly to the Starbucks, stand by the creamer station. I'll be there in two minutes. Let me pray. And when I say amen, we're out going to small groups. Last night of small groups, next Wednesday, Kajabi Can-Can. It's going to be awesome. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I, I, I pray right now for our conversations in these groups because I know this is a huge issue for each one of us. And Lord, not just students, but adults as well, all of us. I mean, you told this straight up in your word. We, we on our own can't tame our mouths. We can't do it. And so often they get out of control and it's, like a fi- it's, it, it's, it's set on fire by hell, your word says. Some evil things that have come out of our mouths, Lord. We've said some horrible things to people before. And some of us need to just go to somebody in this room who we've said, we've said awful things to recently and we just need to ask forgiveness. And that's part of you redeeming our mouths and restoring us. But whatever it looks like, Lord, I pray as we go to these groups, you'd mess with us. As we talk about these things right now, you'd mess with us. And I pray that we would be honest and real in these groups. We wouldn't put on a show. We'd be honest, we'd be real about these things. Lord, I pray it all in the awesome, awesome name of Jesus. Amen.